The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ron Schmelzer, and we hope you are enjoying all the various series that we've been on at AI Today, now going into our seventh season of uh, almost hitting 400 episodes now. I know it's crazy how this has been going, and we're like, ah, we thought we'd run out of things to say a year ago, and all of a sudden now we have our new generative AI series. So if those of you who are not subscribed, you should listen. First of all, we explain how does generative AI even work? So we got into like LLMs and how word embedding works and how the all that sort of stuff and how that stuff is generated and took the magic away because, uh, you know, it's kind of cool to see the birds disappearing and, you know, flame shooting. And then you're like, how does it actually work? Well, we didn't invent a new kind of physics. <laughs> this is actually how it works. And then you're like, oh, the magic is gone, but it's still very interesting. And we have more in that generative AI series. We have our trustworthy AI series. We're getting into all the issues at all the various levels. And we have, of course, our glossary still going on where we're explaining all the various terms and concepts that will be coming to an end fairly soon. And of course, we have our interview where we talk to folks who are putting AI into practice and advanced analytics and data, many of them CPMAI certified. So we are thrilled to be doing that on today's podcast. Exactly. We always like to have our audience, you know, we love when when you share ideas and suggestions on what you'd like to hear more of. And so we always think it's important since we talk about CPMAI so much, the Cognitive Project Management for AI methodology and certification, that we interview folks that are CPMAI certified so they can talk about their experiences. And we're excited to have with us on today's podcast, Jeff Eason, who is Bureau Manager at Analytics and Evaluation Bureau at Salt Lake County Health Department. He is also CPMAI certified in AI and ML project management methodology. So welcome, Jeff, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Kathleen and hi, Ron. Congratulations on your almost 400th episode. And yes, I'm excited to be here today. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at Salt Lake County Health Department. Absolutely. So with uh, Salt Lake County Health Department, I work as a, a bureau manager, and I have two teams that work with me. Um, one is focused on internal projects, so kind of focusing on business operations. Um, the other is looking at external partners and some internal partners as well, as well within the health department, but more deeper anal analytics. So what we, what we do are that we we use different descriptive, diagnostic, and predictive analyses in order to conduct public health, and primarily we focus on health disparity and um, identifying and supporting the social determinants of health. So our teams are made up of epidemiologists and data scientists, and we primarily focus on identifying and addressing social determinants of health and health inequity. My background is as a communicable disease epidemiologist. And so while this kind of work for me is new, artificial intelligence and machine learning is extremely new, but I see it as another great toolbox within our, our toolkit for analytics. 
And so my, my background, again, is primarily in communicable disease epidemiology. I've also been focusing on data monetization and informatics processes, and I'm looking to develop those skills and also bring those into the health department. Well, that's fantastic. I know that uh, it's really interesting. We've actually seen a lot of applications and use of AI and data analytics in health and public health and pharmaceuticals, life sciences across the whole board. It's it's interesting because you might think, well, you know, you, you we would have more examples, let's say, in finance or in retail. You know, <laughs> we do trust me. There's lots of applications there, but honestly, we've been, you know, really, it's been in health and public health and fine in, in life sciences that we've seen so many applications. Maybe because this pandemic, in particular, has highlighted the role that data plays in in such an area as public health. So, and of course, data being so central to all of that and automation, you know, helping in that role as well. So maybe from your background, can you talk a little bit about, you know, running these data projects, especially now that there's more attention, hopefully more budget and support, that's a whole other issue, uh, into making them happen. And maybe even some of those, some of the challenges that you've run into as you run these uh, data automation and AI projects. Absolutely. And I, I want to point out that we are just beginning our AI capacity journey within my agency. Challenges, yes, we we definitely have them. Access to data is not one of them, but the quality and standardized format of that data is. Um, so we, we've been working with our data sources, our programs, which are both data users and uh, data creators. And we're working with them to both refine and improve data standardization while also working towards that need of balancing data privacy security and accessibility for us to be able to do our AI and machine learning projects. Um, we've started to address some of those challenges by improving our data governance processes. We've worked to standardize internal data sharing agreements, and we've even started contracting with a consultant so that we can build and develop our data infrastructure. We actually are getting a, a data roadmap um, and that's really going to help us mature our capacity as quickly as possible while we're promoting sustainability within our programs. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to hear that data access is not an issue of yours, because I think that that is an issue at a lot of organizations. And, you know, whether you're a public sector or private sector, data is just growing at an exponential rate being created all the time. So you need to make sure that you do have a good understanding of the data that you have, make sure that the, you know, the data, it can one be accessed. So it's great that yours can, and then also be used as well. So when it comes to, you know, managing and running data projects and AI projects as well, I think everybody is on a a different, you know, stage of their journey. And so some people are just starting off and other people are a lot farther along. But when it comes to CPMAI, the Cognitive Project Management for AI methodology specifically, how has that helped you approach data projects? And maybe when you're looking to run AI projects, how is that going to help with different conversations? Yeah, so similar to the the roadmap that we're starting on, CPMAI methodology is an investment for us. We are really working to build that capacity and our ability to effectively meet our AI objectives. Um, 
it's given us an iterative blueprint to ensure that we're not missing any of the crucial steps as we're trying to align our projects with our, our business needs. And that allows me to communicate that to our, our leadership, to our partners, and even my teammates so that we can make sure that we are really centralized on where we're going with, with this project. Um, so I've been able to directly draw from the methodology learn through CPMAI to create operating procedures for our teams. And now that's really streamlined our processes. It's improved our collaboration. Um, it's also improved customer satisfaction. And I know will help improve our project success rates. Yeah, that's really important. That's really what it comes down to is success. And we spent so many time, one of the series that we had for our podcast listeners is our failure series that we did. And there's really so many ways that uh, projects of any type, not necessarily AI projects, you know, any sort of technology project can be waylaid, but especially AI projects because it's so dependent on data that, you know, not having the right data, not having data, the right quality, the right quantity, uh, not even knowing what data you need, spending a lot of time and effort doing things like labeling and all this sort of stuff. And maybe you didn't even need to do that. You know, not solving the right problem, getting the right, uh, the wrong products, wrong technology, even things like proof of concept versus pilot. We see a lot of projects failing where they proved something <laughs> as a concept, but it actually wasn't usable in, in in any sort of realistic way because the real world didn't match it. And uh, that's not exactly what I'll call a success. That's sort of like the, okay, it's academic, you know, kind of you sort of did some sort of researchy thing. But like, you know, at the end of the day, we all want this stuff to work. And, and you know, that's that's what, you know, met, some people don't know what methodology is all about. Method is process. It's just giving you some sort of repeatable way to do something. And, you know, what always surprised us when CPMI evolved uh, about a half a decade ago is that we were so certain that there was other methodologies around that might be usable. There was CRISPDM that was around for decades, but people stopped using that. So I, you know, maybe from your perspective, you know, what do you, is, is there an understanding in the need to invest not just in people and technology, which is important, but like, do people understand the need to to invest in method and process, or like, you know, what have you seen as sort of like other sorts of methods and processes that may or may not be related to AI and data that you know people use and people understand. I don't know, just from your perspective. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to draw from my experience around surveillance to to really address this. Standardization is key. You need to have a systematic method to count and track cases that creates the ability for us to be uh, uh, comparable with our colleagues in other jurisdictions and able to combine information at a national level so that we have intelligence on risks to our communities. This is the same thing with any other methodology. You, you really need to rely on those processes for standardization, for reproducibility. It is a scientific method, and that's primarily how we you know, move through and progress as a as a society is we 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 have these dedicated processes that we follow and repeat and improve and the, it's the iterative process and i love to see it and i love to see it in the work that my, myself and my team do because it, it really ensures that we are producing a quality product 
that we are actually meeting the need, addressing the problem. And um, when we do fail, that's okay. We bring it back to the beginning and we start again and we identify those errors. Yeah, we always say, uh, think big, start small and iterate often, right? So it is going to be an iterative process. Failing is absolutely okay. Just learn from those failures. That's why we had our AI failure series, because we said, look, others have failed in the past. It's okay, but learn from that. So we're not all making the same mistakes. And I think that part of methodology is also transparency. So it's transparency into the process, transparency into what you're doing. So everybody feels uh, you know, invested, everybody's understanding what's going on. So all of those are really important. When it comes to CPMAI training and certification, there's, uh, you know, micro and macro level things that can be gained. So yes, of course, getting the methodology, being able to follow this, being able to translate that to your team members, but how specifically for you has it helped grow key skills for yourself, including providing you the knowledge, lexicon, and credibility that you need as you're moving forward with AI projects? So a lot of a lot of my recent work has been around gaining support for in, increasing capacity within my organization around AI and ML. CPMA, CPMAI has given me the ability to have those conversations with key stakeholders from our, our chief information officer to the analysts that are actually doing the work and our data scientists are amazing practitioners. But being able to demonstrate that business need, show that we can develop the team and the capacity needed to be effective and execute these projects has, has been the best part of CPMAI for me, both professionally and personally. So again, it's equipped me with the knowledge base that makes communication with those other professionals easier. It's definitely enhanced my credibility and my my confidence talking about AI projects coming from a non, um, you know, kind of a non data science background. And then you know, it's given again given me that knowledge and ability to garner that support for developing that ca- that capacity. And now we're able to justify resource allocation. We are improving our ability to um, get trainings for our staff. We've identified specific roles that we will need within our organization, which means we need to be able to create those types of positions and hire those types of individuals. And it's really set the stage for us to be able to um, work in this in this realm. Yeah, that's great. And I think we we for those of our listeners who may be new, <laughs> who may be hearing this podcast the first time. I know we said CPMI a bunch of times. We didn't really define what it is. So just want to for for our new listeners, CPMI is the Cognitive Project Manager for AI. It's a six phase approach to running AI projects whose primary objective is iterating AI projects for success. And it follows roughly the original pattern that CRISPDM set out about 20 years ago, but they stopped developing it. And so uh, it was enhanced with AI specific things because AI is a particular thing. 
Uh, and even if you're doing advanced analytics projects, it shares a lot of things in common with advanced analytics. So the first step is, of course, figuring out what problem you're trying to solve. And they may seem really simple, but a lot of times it's an iterative thing. It's not about what problem you're trying to solve. It's what are you trying to solve now? What are you trying to solve in the future? And maybe kind of iterating your project to get from where you are now to the future. The second one has to do with understanding the data that you have or not have as is relevant to the problem you're trying to solve, because those two things aren't always in sync. And then the third part is preparing that data for use to solve the problem that you want to solve. You can see all these things like little Lego blocks that kind of stock, stack on top of each other, because you can't do anything with data that is not <laughs> prepared in the format that you want. But you also don't want to be spending your time preparing data you don't need. That's just wasteful. And then you have the fourth phase, which is model development, which has to do with how do I actually produce the end analytic result, and in the case of an AI system, the model that will produce the thing I want for use. And then fifth is evaluation, which is incredibly important. It's the QA of AI, we say, which is how do I know the model is actually working and producing the results I want? And of course, there's more to model evaluation than the technical aspects of the model. And then the sixth thing is putting the model into operation. And it's, that's always why we say this is not a proof of concept. This is pilot. The objective is to do something useful and solve a problem, not just some research project. All of that, if you're interested in learning more, we do have a free intro to CPMAI course. You could take it. It's about two hours long. It goes through each of these phases. And there's a nice little discount in there if you're interested in getting the CPMAI training and certification, the full one. And I want our listeners to know that CPMAI version 7, the next big version of CPMAI is now out. And it focuses not only on this methodology, but the use of generative AI to speed up your projects, also provides a nice foundational understanding of how does generative AI work and what is it and how do I use and you know how do I actually make it useful? But the biggest thing is using it. The, the purpose for CPMI is accelerating projects. So can we use generative AI to prepare our data, to do help us with business understanding, to do model evaluation? The answer is of course, because it's machine learning. So uh, we talk about all that. You can get the CPMI V7 certification and hopefully your employers will come to respect that as a mark of not just putting AI expert on your LinkedIn profile, but actually being somebody who can back that up with some experience and some expertise. So enough of that. Uh, for our listeners, just wanted to put you there. You can go to, if you're interested in the free intro to CPMI course, you can go to AI Today dot live slash cpmai you can get there or you can go to the courses site our courses.cognolitica.com site and register there all right but let's let's sort of transition back jeff i know you have a lot of experience yourself you know, public health is really so critically important uh, and i think it's like a really nice microcosm of a lot of the um things that people deal with, but just trying to apply data to solve some problems and also trying to maybe gain insights from data, you know, that we may, that may not be totally obvious. So speaking of insights, you know, maybe what insights and lessons can you share, you know, especially for organizations and individuals or organizations who are looking to run advanced analytics projects or trying to run advanced AI projects, you know, maybe some, some tips, that that you have realized that could help help them get past some issues they may have. Absolutely, yeah. This this is an exciting question because I love to innovate, and so innovation starts for me with start with a small business project. 
I find that if I can get a quick win, I can build confidence and demonstrate value. That that is key. But you're going to need to gain that leadership support by having a strong data foundation and ensuring alignment of business goals. So it is crucial to understand your program. Excuse me, not program, your problem. It's crucial to understand your problem and try to solve it by aligning your solution with that organizational goal. So that that garners your support. Also, I think it's important that we focus on building a diverse team. So having that expertise in data science, domain knowledge, and and of course, the, the key is that project management piece. And making sure that we're able to upskill our team and invest in their AI and data literacy, which I, I definitely see as a key for, for being successful in any role. Um, I guess, finally, I would focus on investing in robust data infrastructure, especially around data governance, privacy and security. For me, working with health data and um, population level data is extremely important that we maintain privacy and security. Um, so consider that whenever you're conducting these, these uh, types of, of AI projects or any analytic project that we do work to maintain that privacy and security. Um, and then as, as Kathleen mentioned, continuous evaluation and iteration, those are, those are key. Those are definitely valuable pieces to uh, to to success. Yeah, I liked how you talked about you know business problems too, right? I mean, phase one is business understanding, so you want to make sure that you're actually solving a real business problem. I think sometimes, for a variety of different reasons, people get super excited. You know, they want to run an AI project. Maybe it's the first at their organization, and so, or maybe they're being told that they need to. And so they just power ahead and they're not saying, am I solving an actual business problem? What is that business problem? And then do I need AI technology? Is that the correct solution to our problem? There's also, you know, despite the fact that we've been talking about this for a number of years, it's been out there for a number of years, there's still some confusion between automation and AI. And we always say automation is incredibly wonderful and useful. It's just not intelligence. So don't confuse the two and don't act like, you know, they can be used interchangeably. So maybe from your perspective, when you are looking at projects, how are you evaluating this? And, you know, how do you really say, okay, is this solving an actual business problem? And then if it is, how are you evaluating what technology and what solutions you actually need? You know, I'll, I'll use a, a current project that, that I'm working on. Um, so I start with looking at what the, the potential impact would be to our, our organization if we, we did apply this potential solution, or if we didn't address this problem. Um, based off of that, I'm able to understand impact to the organization. Then once I understand potential impact, then I can start looking at whether or not this is a solution that I even want to work on. Is this a priority for me in, in my time? Um, a, a current project that we have are is that we, we collect um, information on people that have passed away. Um, they're called vital statistics data. And 
we have a, an employee that actually sifts through each of these events in order to understand the cause of someone's death so that we can classify them, understand what potential health risks have led up to that death. And that way we can develop program plans. So in my thought process here, if, if I cannot efficiently do this, then we won't be able to direct our program resources effectively or efficiently. And you know, we may it may result in more mortality events, more deaths. That's a priority for us. So we're going to start working on that. Um, we look at the impact on the, the team member. We're talking about five to six hours per week working on deriving this information and classifying deaths according to um, the information that we have available. Um, the problem is that the, the the data sets are always different. We we don't always have the exact terms listed, right? So it's really challenging to code this. This is probably not something that we're going to want to code. And we've tried it coding it in the past and it completely failed for us. So we decided that we want to try to create an out or excuse me, a model that would um, help us classify these cases and augment the employee's ability to determine cases. So that's what we're working on right now. And that's how we are prioritizing our, our time in this project. And this is, again, it's a small project, but you know, 10% of an employee's time, that's pretty significant whenever you look over a year. So that's, it seems like a good, good, good use of our time at this point. Yeah, I think that's great too. You know, we always say, look at the ROI, that return on investment, and it doesn't always need to be a financial return. It can also be, how is it freeing up employees' time to work on higher value tasks or, you know, things that they actually uh, enjoy. So whenever you look at projects and so, you know, we always love these use cases too, because a lot of times people are like, well, this isn't a sexy case. And we're like, I know, but that's really where you see the benefit, right? When you're doing these, these cases that really have a major impact. So it's always wonderful to hear that. And 10% of an employee's time is quite a lot, especially over how many employees, how much time savings do you have now? How can you do other things? Because you only have, you know, so much resources to devote to work, uh, but, you know, however many people you have over 40 hours a week. So it, these are wonderful. We always love to hear this. So thank you for sharing that. And we'd like to wrap up our podcasts by asking the same question because we always get such varied uh, responses depending on the person's own unique perspectives, interests, and backgrounds. So as a final note, what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations, governments, and beyond? Mm -hmm. So as, as far as just society in general, I think it's AI is going to be even more integrated into our daily lives and, and business operations. I I see already like my my iPhone or any smartphone is able to to tap into Chat GPT and start harnessing that the power there. So this is this technology is is not going anywhere. It's only going to become more ingrained. It's going to continue to help enhance our decision-making processes. I see it, of course, helping with repetitive tasks, 
um, uncovering insights from data, which is really what I look for, that that humans may not be able to identify. Um, and, and so I'm really excited about that aspect. Um, however, when it when it comes to the the responsibility of using AI ethically and ensuring its uh, equitable um, support over society, that that piece I'm looking for I'm, I'm looking forward to the future. I think there's a lot of work to be done. And I, I I look for people that are moving into to this realm to work. This is going to be their specialization. We're going to need people that really understand the processes, understand what they're doing, and use their knowledge and their power, their methodologies to ethically use um, AI to help address any bias that that may be coming into our our models and just make sure that we are operationalizing responsibly. And, and that's, that's where I'm looking to grow into. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about the future with AI. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. We, we all hope the same things, you know, people making great use of data for the benefit of society, keeping people on sort of an even playing field that's that's what we want. We don't want uh, AI and our data systems making things worse. That's for sure. Broadening the divide, concentrating data and power, and uh, really making it hard for uh, for people to get things done. That's certainly what we don't want. And it's easy to slip into that territory. So we hope everybody who's listening to this podcast, building AI systems, do it right. I do want to mention there, there, you can do things in a trustworthy way. We do have another free course called our Intro to Trustworthy AI, where we do go over a lot of the, the issues that you have to consider. It's not just issues of bias and data bias, which is significant. So as you know, biased data results in biased models and biased models, if you're using them for decision-making, results in biased decisions, right? Kind of, you could see how that ball rolls down that hill. But there's lots of other issues around responsible use of AI, preventing misuse and abuse and malicious use and keeping the human in the loop and issues of consent and disclosure and transparency and explainability. Well, I won't go through the whole course because there's a whole other one there. But if you go to AI today.live, I think it's slash uh, trustworthy, something like that. Or you go to our courses.cognolitica.com site, you'll see the intro to, to Trustworthy AI course. And I encourage all of you listeners who are building AI systems to go ahead and do things in the most trustworthy way possible, ethical way. But uh, on that note, this has been fantastic conversation. I mean, we have learned a lot. We are hopeful. We are glad to see that you are in the position of where you are making things happen, doing things with AI and analytics, and of course, CPMAI certified. So I really want to thank you so much for sharing your insight with our audience and uh, being part of the AI Today podcast. Absolutely. Thank you both. Yeah, thank you. And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. We'll make sure to link to both the free intro to CPMAI course at aitoday.live slash CPMAI in the show notes, as well as the trustworthy workshop that Ron had mentioned. You can find that at cognolitica.com slash trustworthy or link to it in the show notes and you can just click on it. And if you've 
have not done so already, we encourage you to subscribe to AI Today, where we have interviews just like this, as well as a few different series that we're on. Ron had mentioned our generative AI series. We also have a trustworthy AI series and our glossary series that we're doing. So make sure to stay subscribed so you get notified of all of our upcoming episodes. And we do love when our listeners reach out to us to share podcasts that you've enjoyed, topics that you'd like us to dig deeper on. So absolutely do that. You can go to Cognolitica.com to find us there, find us on LinkedIn. Uh, we're very approachable. So hopefully you do reach out. We love when, when we get to hear from you. Like this episode and want to hear more? With hundreds of episodes and over 3 million downloads, check out more AI Today podcasts at AIToday.live. Make sure to subscribe to AI Today if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, or your favorite podcast platform. Want to dive deeper and get resources to drive your AI efforts further? We've put together a carefully curated collection of resources and tools handcrafted for you, our listeners, to expand your knowledge, dive deeper into the world of AI, and provide you with the essential resources you need. Check it out at aitoday.live slash list. This sound recording and its contents are copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. <laughs>